Hey couples, welcome to the podcast. Today we are going to be talking to parents out there. We're going to talk about parenting teens and in particular we're going to talk about two principles for parenting teens and if you're already in it, parents, we get it. We know how hard it is, Tracy. We raised two kids. One of them is no longer, the youngest is no longer a teen. So we're finally out of the teenage years. Our kids are both still alive and thriving in life. <laughs> so I, I guess you could say we were successful. Before we get into these principles, why is parenting teens so much more challenging for most parents than parenting kids? Well, the main thing is that you probably quickly realize that the I told you so or the stern voice or just having the rule is sufficient like it was maybe when they were toddlers, <laughs> you know, when they were three or two, suddenly you have these people who think they're pretty smart and they're certainly getting smarter as a teenager, but they have outside influences. They are developing their own opinion, their own sense of self. And so now they're starting to buck the system maybe a little bit and maybe not thinking you're as smart as maybe they did when they were toddlers. And, and so as parents, that can be kind of a, a hard transition all of a sudden to be like, whoa, okay, now I've got, I'm getting pushback. I'm getting challenged and I'm not sure how to respond to that. So that's why to me today, I, I hope for parents of teens or really for parents who aren't quite in the teenage years to, to have this information now and start to plan for it because you do need a different set of skills parenting teens than you did when they were younger. Yeah, I remember when our kid, before our daughter, who's our oldest child, before Kenzie um, hit the teenage years, I remember some older parents came to me and said, hey, just just a heads up, you're going to lose your daughter for a few years, mm -hmm. but you'll get her back. Now, I don't know that we really did, but looking back, I recognize there, were, there was a season for her where the influence from her friends at school or whatever, even social media, there's so much more now influencing our kids than what influenced us when mm -hmm. we were teenagers. But you have all these influences exerting pressure on your kids. And it, it is, I, I think there's kind of a little bit of a battle going on in their minds. Like, what, what am I going to believe? What am I going to uh, take to be true? Who am I going to listen to? Mm -hmm. Right. And so parents, <clears throat> if you are, like you said, Tracy, if you are l constantly lecturing, if you're, if you're just setting hard, fast rules, because I said so, rather than letting your kids discover truth, letting them discover what's best, letting them to maybe even make some mistakes. And so this first principle, the principle of discovery is the opposite of sort of force feeding your kids, you know, the right way to go. Yeah. I mean, I remember with Kenzie, it was different with AJ because AJ's more verbal. Kenzie wasn't as verbal. So in those years that maybe we felt like we lost Kenzie a little bit, I think maybe what would mean is it was harder to track where she was going, thinking, how she was feeling, because she was more of a stuffer. And so one of the things that we had to do then as her parents, instead of just being like, you know, okay, we're going to take your quietness or you're kind of withdrawing and we're going to get fearful. Now we're going to try and force attention on you. We're going to, you know, try to drill down on you all the time. Like what's, what's wrong with you? What's the problem? What do we need to do? And, and thinking the worst case scenario, we had to kind of go on a discovery process ourselves of like, how do we reach Kenzie now? She's changing. She's learning. She's growing as a person. She's confused. She's conflicted. 
And so one of the things of the discovery principle is I just kind of decided I need to get to know her in a different way, that maybe the way that we used to interact is going to be different. And so for me, one of the things I had to do was we would cook together. In junior high, she loved to cook and to bake. So I would say, hey, let's this weekend, let's make something together. And then as we were cooking, her guard would be down a little bit. It wasn't like I was lecturing or forcing a conversation. I would just start asking her some questions like, well, how are things going with your friends? Like, what, what's it like in the lunchroom? Or, you know, when you were at that party last, last night or last weekend, you know, how is it going with your friends? What do you notice is going on? And just kind of help her kind of draw her out and help her start to learn how to put her feelings and words together and help to discover even for herself where she was at in the journey of becoming a young woman. Let's cover a specific example that some of the parents listening might have to deal with right now. How, how, how would a mom or a dad help a daughter discover that the boy she's dating <laughs> isn't the right guy, right? We just had a conversation yeah. with a couple about this. So, right. So one option is, you, you know, dad or mom, you could say, no, absolutely not. And then what, what are you going to do? You're going to potentially create a Romeo and Juliet situation. Yeah. And I think parents know that. And so maybe let's walk through that example. How would, how would a couple help their daughter kind of open her eyes to this guy? Well, like in that word discovery and is, is important. Like we can't, this is what's so hard parents. Cause I think our tendency is like, I'm smarter than you. I have more experience. I dated someone like this person that you're, you're not comfortable with your daughter dating. So we just kind of want to tell our kids everything. But the problem is our, our teens aren't looking at us thinking we understand their world. I mean, they're a different person. They live in a different time in a different generation. So the better thing would be to ask questions, help them discover the kind of character traits you would want in a person that you date and eventually marry. You know, you can talk about some of your own experiences of let's say that if the boyfriend seems really critical or controlling, like to say, you know, Hey, listen, here's, here's something that I experienced when I was dating someone, but how does that make you feel when he's texting you? Like, where are you and what are you doing? What do you think that's about? Why do you think he's doing that? Do you notice, uh, your friends who are dating others are, are their boyfriends doing that? And kind of ask questions and have a conversation that kind of invites your teenager to be a part of discovering and drawing their own conclusion. Even though you might be leading them a little bit by the questions you're asking, you're genuinely trying to get on the same page with them and help them get to the conclusion of, you know what, maybe that isn't the kind of person I want to be dating. Yeah. Maybe some of the other questions are, you know, cause it doesn't always have to be like, challenging bad questions, like mm -hmm. leading questions, because they're going to see through that. I mean, it's got to be genuine. You know, wh what do you what do you like about him? Mm -hmm. Let 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 her make a list. What are the things that you don't like mm -hmm. about him? What are some of the things that scare you about him? You know, so again, as you I mean, I just think about the greatest thinker and person of all time, Jesus, that he used questions all the time. He was always asking questions he was rare. I mean, a lot of times truth was a part of it. He taught truth a lot, but so many times, especially with his disciples or with the Pharisees, let's say, who were kind of like teenagers, right? The Pharisees were like the bad guys. They were the hard-headed, stubborn ones in, in the Bible. Jesus would ask them questions to get them to, to have this, uh, this epiphany about the truth that he already knew. So parents, mm -hmm. 
I mean, think about it. And, and mom and dad, you might need to just sit down and really talk about this strategically. Like, yeah, let's really make a pact that we're going to do better, a better job of asking questions rather than making this like just always a fight when we're talking to our kids. So think about, talk about the kinds of questions that you can ask because you know the truth. You already know the truth. You already, your discernment about that boyfriend is better than your daughter's, but she doesn't realize that. And you're going to push her further away, potentially, if you just only just speak truth. Now, there are certainly times, right, Tracy, where you have to speak the truth, because I think some parents could go too far on the other side and say, no, I'm let them discover for themselves. And that's not what we're saying. Mm -hmm. Any, they find their own truth, but that's not what we're talking about. Yeah, as parents, our job is still, even with teenagers, even though we might need to make some adjustments, we still have that primary responsibility of raising them to be healthy, independent ready for the world kind of people. But I think what what a lot of parents make the mistake and in their own fear and insecurity, lean too much on I'm just going to tell you what to do. And you're just going to follow my rules. And then when you're 18, and you leave my house, it's no longer my responsibility. And, and, and I just feel like that's a failing strategy. Because our teenagers now more than ever need to know that they're loved. They need to know that home is a safe place for them to come home to and to have a space where they can say, you know, so-and-so showed me this thing on the bus today and I don't even know what I'm supposed to do with that. Or my friends are doing all sorts of stuff with their significant other physically. And I mean, I know what you've told me when I was little, but I, I don't know how to think about this or my boyfriend or girlfriend's putting pressure on me, or is it the social media piece? Like creating a place in the home where our teenagers can wrestle with this stuff that they're inundated with all the time. And parents, we have to be the ones to set the tone that we aren't just like, you know, well, that absolutely not. You couldn't, I mean, don't you dare ever do something like that. Like to say, not that there's not boundaries, not that there's not consequences sometimes for bad choices, but your teenager needs you to help them. You're mentoring them along to discover what is the right way. How does God's word apply to me as a 15-year-old girl living in, you know, 2020s? Right? What, what does it mean to honor God in the way I use social media? Like having those kinds of conversations and have it, letting your teens have a space to wrestle with it ask them questions, let them ask you questions so that they're starting to bring this information in and taking some ownership of it for themselves. Let's talk about helping daughters and sons discover boundaries. You, you mentioned this, Tracy, boundaries with boyfriend or girlfriend, right? So hopefully if you're a Christian parent listening to this, that, that you, your desire, what you've been teaching your kids is that they should save sex for marriage but you know teenagers are getting a completely different message from friends from the culture from social media so it's you know they're even being made fun of it sounds old-fashioned it sounds like maybe you live you go to a you, you you live in an area where nobody would even consider that kind of idea so now you're up against everybody with your teenage kid tracy what are maybe some some helpful ways that a parent can help their teen discover that, that this really is the best thing for them? Well, I'm sure that there could be some examples of people in your life or even with friends that would regret decisions that they made at younger ages. I think one of the best conversations that we had with our kids was just kind of like that idea of, of the 
boundaries and the progression that if you, if you give in a boundary here, what likely would come next? So if you're dating somebody and let's say you had a boundary of we're not going to kiss and then you find yourself that you cross that. Okay. So then what would be next? Um, what would be the next boundary? They're like, Nope, we're not going to cross that. Okay. Now we're like heavy petting or whatever, you know, then what's like, so what, what happens if you keep letting the line move and where are you, where's that going to end you up? And is that where you would want to end up versus what does God's word say? And why do you think he would want sex to be something for marriage? Why do you think God would think that up? Is he a killjoy? I mean, if he'd created sex and he, you know, it's this great thing, then why can't it be shared whenever? What are the consequences of giving yourself to somebody that you're not ready for emotionally, or it's not in the right context? Have those kinds of conversations, ask those questions, let your kids think about that and maybe think about, yeah, you know, a friend was taken advantage of and, and something happened to her that she didn't want. And so now you're, she's carrying around that, the weight of that. Like there's, those are heavy decisions. Those aren't things to be made lightly. There's a reason why God gives us boundaries and the right way of doing things and helping your teen to realize that in real time, even with their own choices is just a better way than you just saying like, don't ever do that. Yeah, here's another good discovery. Some parents just maybe have never considered this, so they they need some good examples. Here's another good example of a discovery question. Would you want your future spouse to have saved himself or herself for you? Just ask a question like that, because then that's going to get them thinking about it differently. It's not You're not telling them what to do, what not to do. I mean, you've already done that. Now you're helping them think about the implications of making a different decision than the one that you're encouraging. Or another good question is, um, what, how, how, would you, how would you explain that to your future spouse? How are you going to explain whatever decisions you're making right now with this person who might not end up being your spouse? How are you going to explain that? Or are you? Would you share this information with your future spouse? These are Tracy. These are the kinds of questions I would imagine Jesus might have been asking yeah. some teenagers. Right? We don't have that in the scripture yeah. anywhere, but he was so good at asking questions. He wasn't judgmental. He knew the truth, and he was trying to lead people to discover what is best and what is right. And teenagers are going to need some help with that. And uh, and I I think just the way you ask the question might be super helpful. I, the the last one, and Tracy, we've shared this with people before. If it if it comes to this, honestly, parents, maybe you have a a teenage daughter or son who is promiscuous. Maybe they you raise them in the church or maybe you didn't, but they don't, they don't buy into any of that stuff. They're just like, I want to have fun. I want to do it, what I want. And they're just off the rails. I mean, honestly, like a question you might ask is if you get pregnant, would you give up the kid for adoption? Mm-hmm. I mean, and maybe your 15 year old daughter would be taken aback by a question like that. But what you're trying to do is you're trying to help them to discover that you can make your choices, but you can't choose your consequences. And this is what so much of parenting is about is helping your teenage discover your teenager to discover what's best for them, not just a bunch of rules that that you want them to follow. Right. And like even just thinking about social media and even like words, the words that you speak and how you if like gossip or being critical of friends or or making fun of people online or whatever, like just 
thinking about all those things, like how would you feel if you pulled up Instagram and saw that? How do you, how do you feel when you can, you know, track your friends on Snapchat and see everybody's at someone's house and you weren't invited? Like thinking through those things, talking to your kids about how important it is to be responsible in every area and recognizing that your, your words and your actions affect others, just like others, words and actions affect them. And just kind of creating this space where it's like a little bit of a laboratory where you're helping them with experiments, hands-on learning, walking with them, talking, asking those questions, bringing real life situations that they might have. Like we did that so many times with our kids where we would be having a conversation and it would lead to one of our kids bringing up something that maybe happened at school that day that, that maybe they didn't know how to bring up, but in the, in that little laboratory that we had of some family conversation time where there, there was space for the kids to share whatever they wanted to share. And that we made a commitment to say we wouldn't overreact or get mad if they needed to tell us something that it's like, you're doing this little experiment and kind of walking with them through that situation and looking at the Bible and saying, what, what verses might apply to that situation? What does God's word say about how you should be with your words or what you should do on social media or what you should view um, on social media, all of that stuff, like just kind of helping them discover in the experiment of their life and, and bringing in your, your values and biblical values into that. And for them to see like how that would actually be helpful to them. Not just, these are just these archaic rules, mom and dad force upon me that they're realizing like, ah, I see that's better. That's for my protection. That's going to save me pain and consequence. Yeah, let's talk about dis helping your kids discover, let's say, the value of money. Okay, we talked about relationships. What about how? What are some helpful ways for parents to help their kids discover the value of money instead of sort of cramming the values and ideas and truths? Because probably parents, the way you think about it is better. You know the value of money a lot better than your teenagers do. But Tracy, what are some helpful tips for helping our teenagers discover it? Well, I think one of the things I feel like, didn't we do this once where we kind of let our kids like dream, like, you know, I'd love to buy a house by the time I'm 25. Okay. Well, so then we kind of walk them through what, what our home prices right now, uh, how much, how, what would that mortgage be every month? Okay. What kind of a car did you, do you want to be driving? What would car insurance costs and car payments or whatever, and kind of helped create a budget, like a fake budget for this life that they wanted to live. And then to say like, look, that's going to take this amount of money. What kind of a job would you need? What kind of income would need to come in and just kind of creating a picture for them in real time of what this dream they have, what the reality of it would look like, how they would have to save, you know, what education they might need to have to have the kind of job that they're hoping for and, and kind of helping them discover that life is expensive. So we, it isn't just going to be given to you. What are you going to have to do? What steps are you going to have to take to get to that place? And I know that that was helpful for both of our kids to realize, whoa, adulting's hard and everything costs a lot of money. Yeah, maybe parents, you know, we, we talk at this point, Tracy, our, our youngest is almost done with college. So we've put two kids through college and you know, I've, we've talked to a lot of different couples in the same season of life that we're in and asked them, hey, are you, are, are your kids paying for school? Are, are you paying for their schooling? Have you mm -hmm. had the conversation? I really encourage couples to have that conversation. You know, for us, Tracy, your parents paid for your schooling. My parents paid for my schooling. It was, it was kind of a pattern that was already set. 
So for us, it was really easy for, I mean, we've been thinking about this for 20 plus years, like we're going to help our kids get an education. We're not just going to say, go get a loan and good luck with that. Because a lot of a lot of parents then say that because maybe that's what their parents did for them and then they didn't get a college education. Now, I'm not saying there's one biblical answer to this. I think that's a decision every couple needs to make. It, I think you need to think and pray about that for yourself. But I, I do think what's important is to have the conversation with your kids and make sure that they understand that. So for us, you know, when Kenzie wanted to go to school out of state or she was entertaining that, and we saw the price tag on that, which was, you know, four times the price tag on in-state tuition. We just, you know, we had a really honest conversation with her early on, loving conversation. You can make whatever decision you want to make, but here's the portion we're going to cover. We're going to cover the in-state portion. Like that's what we can afford. That's what we've budgeted for. That's what we've been saving for. And so that helped her make the decision for herself. Um, again, some, maybe some some families, some parents, you can write whatever check you want to write. That's fine. But for us, that's how we did it. And and it really, I think it helped Kenzie and, and AJ, both of our kids, it helped them to really take ownership, which is the second principle. I think these principles go hand in hand. You know, so much of this is helping your kids discover what's right, what's true, your values. But really the goal of parenting, the ultimate goal is that your kids take ownership of the values that you've raised them with. Mm-hmm. Because you know you can you can cram them down their throats for eighteen years, but if as soon as they walk out those doors, as soon as they said I'm out of here, and we know a lot of parents or families who have this dynamic, kid moves out and just lives his own life and absolutely disregards all the values that he grew up with. So what mm-hmm. happened is there was a failure to transfer ownership. And so Tracy, let's talk about that and how like what are some in the teenage years, those final years to transfer ownership, what are what are some differences there than how you were doing it when they were kids? Okay, I want to try this analogy. I think it seems like it could make sense. I don't know. I hope our listeners can track with me here. I mean, that idea of ownership, I think, think about the mentality of a person who's a renter of a home versus an owner of a home. I mean, we we had a rental property a while back and the way many of the renters treated the home, which was our first family home. We love that home. We, we put a lot of blood, sweat and tears in that place, but a renter is just kind of there for a period of time. There, there, there's no future there for that. There's nothing that they're building towards with that. They're just living there. So I think sometimes if we're just too controlling as parents and all we do is lecture and we're just kind of forcing our way on our, on our teenagers, it's like they're just renting our values. <laughs> they're just doing whatever they have to do. It's convenient for now. Fine. I'm going to follow your rules because I'm living in the home. But as soon as I'm out of your house, I mean, all bets are off. I'm off to the next thing. Versus teenagers that own your values is that they recognize that the values that you've tried to instill in them, that the values that they've discovered along the way are actually better for them and it's building towards a better future. So they take those values and, and, and put them into their life. They own them. They take them. They, they see that that's, that's what's best for them. And I just, I feel like parents of teens, like we, we need to get away from that mentality of, Are teenagers just saying and doing whatever they think they, we want the, to want to hear from them just to keep us quiet or off their back. 
and then when they leave the house, they've had no, no discovery, no understanding. It's just, Oh, thank the Lord. I'm not living under their roof anymore. And now I'm off to do whatever I want that we, I know that parents out there, what we want is for them to take the things that we've taught them, take the biblical values we've tried to instill and that they own them for themselves, that they take them and they say, I'm going to build my life on that now too. I'm going to do it because I want to do it because I know it's the right thing to do, not because mom and dad now, you know, they don't have that control over me anymore. I don't know. How does that analogy work? Yeah, I think it's perfect. I mean, I, I remember I before I ever owned a home, I, I rented a house with a bunch of other bachelors and I couldn't believe how my other roommates, how much they trashed that home. I, I'd never actually experienced anything like that before because I'd always, you know, I mean, by God's grace, my parents, the home that, that I was raised in, my parents still own that home. And and so we understood the value of owning a property. And I don't know, these other guys, maybe they were just, you know, young and dumb, but I, I, I still remember them just shooting BBs into the wall mm -hmm. in the home, in the hallway, and just thinking, I don't understand why you're being so destructive. And so many people, I think in today's culture and society, they just don't ever think about taking ownership for anything, much less their lives. Parents, your job is to, is to help your kids discover that they're going to have to own their lives. They might be rebelling against you, thinking the joke's on you, and they're going to learn someday the joke's on them. It, well, I mean, it's on everybody. Like, it doesn't benefit anybody to live reckless lives in your teenage years and even beyond. But parents, it's your job to help them take ownership of that. And you, you know, you can't make them take ownership of it, but you have to help them take ownership of it. And Tracy, you're right. We've seen so many parents that are, they're so controlling, especially when the kids are little. Now, when they're little, you certainly have to set up more boundaries and make more decisions for your kids. That's kind of the whole idea. The principle of, of ownership transfer is that slowly, year by year, you're, you're letting out the rope a little bit more. And I know, you know, maybe they're going to hang themselves with the rope, but that's, that's the risk we run. Like we have to let them make their choices and sometimes even make mistakes because parents who are too controlling and still take such so much ownership of their teenagers lives while they're in the home at 16 and 17 and 18 years old look those kids are going to be out and you're not doing them any favors as soon as they leave your home you're not doing them any favors because they haven't learned how to deal with responsibility how to take ownership of their decisions yeah so that's <laughs> that is the it is a trial. It is hard. It is difficult. It is, um, can be tiring and frustrating, but I do feel like parents it's, it's worth helping your teenagers to discover and own it for themselves and not just kind of force feed them stuff. That's just, they're going to want to push against that. They think they're smarter than they really are. And, but you can help them through the discovery process to realize, ah, okay. Yeah. Maybe that's not such a grand idea. Or maybe that was a dumb decision that I made, but put the time in, walk with your teens, show them that you love them, spend quality time with them, create opportunities for these conversations of discovery that then will take root in their hearts because they're going to understand the importance of it themselves, not just because you're saying it. And that's where the, then the ownership can come in and that can set the tone for their life as they leave your home.